0: Social Ventures Australia brings you this podcast from the SVA Quarterly, sharing insights from SVA's work and from across the social sector.
1: Hello, my name is Karen Prout and I'm editor of the SVA Quarterly. Today I'm talking with Anna Ashenden, a consultant with SVA. Anna is leading the team that is working with the disability sector to co-develop a common outcomes framework for disability housing. Hi Anna, thanks for making time.
0: Hi Karen, great to be here.
1: So Anna's here to talk to us about why the framework was developed, what it is and what it will mean for people with disability. With the National Disability Insurance Scheme, the NDIS, there's been a steady increase in private investment in disability housing driven through NDIS funding for Specialist Disability Accommodation or what is known as SDA. With SDA payments expected to total approximately $700 million a year, there's the potential to stimulate around $5 billion in private sector investment. So with all this investment, Anna, what impact has has this had on the tenants who are in SDA housing and as well as on their carers and families?
0: So it's a really exciting time, Karen, for people with disability, but also for for the broader community as we are seeing this increased investment. But I think for context, it's important to understand that only about 6% of people with disability under the NDIS are actually eligible for SDA. People with disabilities live in a range of different housing types and environments, and SDA is just one part of that. The SDA market itself is is really exciting and it's a great opportunity to ensure that people with disability have access to housing that meets their needs, especially for those with more complex needs. People with disability who are moving into these homes are starting to share their stories about how it's changed their lives and that's really encouraging and a great uh, time uh, for all of us to be starting to hear these stories. And we're hearing stories like Kevin's Kevin uh, has recently moved into a purpose-built villa in Mount Kola with the help of Good Housing, an SDA provider. I won't put words in his mouth, but there's a link to a really compelling video on the SDA quarterly article, Disability Housing, What Does Good Look Like? So in that video, he shares his story and about what having that right house means to him, and I really encourage listeners to hear his story and others like him. More generally, we know that with the rollout of the NDIS and the significant differences in the way that supports are funded, people now have the greater power to purchase the services and supports that they want and that are best suited to their needs. And with this proliferation of of different players coming into the space, people with disability have more choice than ever before. As a result, they and their families and their carers are also seeking more information from providers to be able to inform their decision-making as well. And so organisations who can demonstrate their impact are starting to have an edge in attracting retaining customers.
1: And for the organisations that provide the housing and provide the services to support people in their homes, what a- impact is this uh, influx of money having on them?
0: Again, it's really exciting and the SDA market is, is developing rapidly and there's more and more organisations who are coming into this space uh, and, and looking to provide really good housing for people with disability. But as this is developing, there are three real challenges that we're hearing that providers are facing as this market is developing. Firstly, there's a challenge around funding and capital, and how do you get the right funding into the market in the right way uh, to really be able, enable these providers to develop this, um, these properties? Secondly, there's this question around data. You know, Where do people want to live and in what configuration? And what does that look like compared to where they are now, but also into the future and as new people are coming enrolled into the scheme as well? There's this real question around that. And the third question is, well, what does good look like? Even if we do have the funding coming in and we're getting more and more data each day uh, around where people want to live, there's still this really big pending question of what does good look like when it comes to disability housing?
1: So where has that left the sector in terms of ensuring the housing is meeting the needs and the wishes of tenants and that we know what good does look like?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a really significant question. And it's the focus for a lot of the work that we've been doing in partnership with the sector over the last sort of 18 months to understand what does good look like? But it's really challenging. There are a lot of different uh, ways of understanding outcomes and understanding impact across the sector and across the social sector more broadly. But there's very little consistency between the different frameworks and there's many that aren't targeted to the specific context that we're working in when we are talking about specialist disability accommodation. We also need to consider that providers have really limited resourcing and so they need to be really, I guess, conscientious around how they're allocating resources internally to make sure that they're delivering really good outcomes for people. And there's no consistency, I think I mentioned this before, but I guess across the market. So there's a real limited opportunity to really share learnings from different providers across the sector to to drive good outcomes for the market now and into the future. So as part of this question around what good looks like, we've been working um, with a real coalition of providers across the sector to start to understand this question. And it's very much grounded in that common approach uh, to be able to ensure the market is set up in a way that facilitates really good outcomes for people in the future. We don't want a market in in 10 or 15 or 20 years that we have houses that aren't fit for purpose. And we have that opportunity now uh, to really set that standard. So we know that built form is really critically important for people uh, but it's not going to be sufficient on its own and for many people it'll also be the relationship that they have with their in-home support providers um, and that relationship between the built form and those in-home supports to facilitate really good outcomes for people with disability. When we're talking about in-home supports, by and large, at the moment that looks like supported independent living still supports uh, but there are a range of other supports that people access as well that contribute to really good outcomes for people so as we're thinking around what good looks like when it comes to disability housing we're also considering those in-home supports and those relationships and we're also considering all of this in the context of a person's life Um, you know their context their aspirations and preferences is really fundamental to all of this
1: how has sva and the steering committee gone about developing the framework
0: Yeah, we're really excited. We have a steering committee, uh, which includes a range of organisations across the sector, and that includes SDA providers, community housing providers, and SIL providers. So our steering committee includes Aruma, Blue Chip, Casa Capache, Claro, Good Housing, Housing Choices Australia, and Life Without Barriers. We've also got People With Disability Australia on our steering committee. They're the national representative peak body for people with disability. In addition to this steering committee, we've also worked with a a large coalition of people and organisations across the sector. This includes people with disability themselves, representative and industry peak bodies such as the SDA Alliance, government and funders and investors, including Synergis.
1: How did you land on what to measure?
0: When we were thinking about what needed to be included in this framework, we heard really strongly and grounded our approach in three fundamental principles or, or questions, really. Is it meaningful for people with disability? Is it useful for providers to be able to prove and improve what they're doing? And is it practical to implement? We know that implementation is hard, so being practical and simple was a fundamental principle as well.
1: And what outcomes have you chosen and what are the indicators that will mark progress toward those outcomes?
0: So there are six outcomes that were agreed by the sector. One of these is around daily living experiences, and five are those longer-term changes that we'll see over time. So those outcomes are daily living, health, relationships and community, rights and voice, independence, and stability and safety. Against these outcomes, we agreed eight common indicators that all providers will measure against when using the framework. And along with those eight common indicators is a much broader indicator bank which providers can use to measure their impact or investigate, you know, various areas of their practice and model more deeply.
1: And what are the benefits you're expecting from this framework?
0: So by agreeing a a limited number of common measures, we're able to do a few things. Firstly, we're able to have a better understanding of what good does look like when it comes to disability housing. We're also able to start to compare apples with apples, to facilitate that common language and agreement across the sector around, you know, if we're talking about X, we all know what X is. And by having this common language, we can have conversations as a sector around what's working to drive these good outcomes for people with disability and create a learning culture, both within organisations and also across the sector to drive better outcomes for people over the long term. Part of this is, uh, you know, around testing and trying and revisiting this as we do go forward. We know that it's really challenging to implement and part of this process as well is, is starting small and learning and adapting over time.
1: We've been talking about Specialist Disability Accommodation, SDA. Is this framework intended for other disability housing as well?
0: It's a really great question Karen and initially when we were talking around this the intention was for SDA and there was a deliberate focus on SDA and SIL as we worked through this but as we have gone through this process we are seeing significant potential in the future to understand how different types of housing can facilitate good outcomes for people and how that looks with a different mix of housing types or different supports as well and that relationship as well and again We know that SDA is only relevant for a really small proportion of all people with disability and so it's about creating learnings for the housing sector more broadly to ensure that people with disabilities can access a variety of different supports and homes based on their needs and context and across their housing careers over time as well.
1: Given this range of providers, the different Providers, both the physical home that's provided and then all the services for the people living in the home. How is the data going to be collected, and what provisions will be made to ensure tenants will participate and be able to provide their feedback?
0: Really great questions, and it's things we're working through this at the moment. It's it's very live uh, and and current. So at the moment, the work is focusing on co-designing and developing a bespoke tool to measure progress against the framework. The intention is that this tool will be able to be used by people with disability themselves, as well as with uh, support providers, family members, uh, advocates and others to, to collect this data against the framework. And the tool is very much designed with our three key principles in mind being practical to implement, being meaningful for people with disability and being useful to inform decision making. We'll be piloting this initially with a small number of providers in the second half of this year to really stress test the tool and the framework and ensure that it works within the context that providers are operating in and to ensure that it's usable by people with disability themselves as well. From next year, we'll be looking to undertake a broader pilot across a larger number of providers in different contexts again, to ensure that it is meaningful, practical and able to inform decision-making in the future.
1: So if listeners are interested in finding out more about the framework, what should they do? So
0: the framework is publicly available and people can access it on the website. That website is disabilityhousingoutcomes.com. We've also had really great interest so far in organisations who want to use their framework in their own context and are interested to understand how and where it might work in with their systems and processes. And we're really excited to continue to partner with the sector to ensure that it is meaningful and practical as we progress this work. We also welcome conversations from from individuals, from organisations to reach out and have a chat with us. So you can reach out via the website or the quarterly article, Disability Housing, What Does Good Look Like? also has my email address on there.
1: Well, thanks, Anna. Thanks for your time and sharing more about the framework and the work you've been doing. And, um, yeah, please go to the SVA Quarterly website if you'd like to find out more. Thanks,
0: Karen. Related podcasts and articles can be found on the SVA Quarterly site. www.socialventures.com.au forward slash SVA hyphen quarterly forward slash